Jackson Street isn't the sort of place where houses have groundskeepers. The few inhabited homes on the rutted strip of asphalt in Gary, Indiana, sport overgrown yards and heavily fortified doors. The empty ones are marked by boarded or broken windows and crumbling roofs. That's not the case at 2300 Jackson Street, Michael Jackson's childhood home. A squat box that looks more like an oversized Monopoly piece than a structure capable of housing a family of eleven. In the twilight of a summer Sunday, a middle-aged man in baggy black jeans and a sleeveless denim vest patrols the tidy front yard, gently brooming stray leaves into a bag on the walkway to the front door. The house is surrounded by a wrought iron fence, its bars decked with roses, candles, and teddy bears left by years of visits by mourners from around the world. In one corner of the yard, A gleaming black monument towers over the greenery, looking like a monolith dreamed up by Stanley Kubrick, save for the inscription, King of Pop, Michael J. Jackson, August 29, 1958, June 25, 2009. Home of Michael Jackson, Gary, Indiana. Quote, never can say goodbye, unquote. The groundskeeper looks up from his sweeping and ambles over to the gate. He extends his hand, introducing himself as Greg Campbell. That's one hump, not two, he says, letting out a deep guffaw. You know, camels have humps. When I ask Campbell how he came to be sweeping up in front of this particular house, he informs me that he grew up just four blocks away. He went to grade school nearby with Jermaine and Latoya Jackson and spent many afternoons in front of 2300 Jackson Street singing with the brothers. We all started on the corner singing temptation songs, he says, and suddenly erupts into one of them. I've got sunshine, his pure tone ringing through the empty street. It's a lot of history. He looks back at the house. This is the beginning right here. Everybody got whooped. Everybody played instruments. As it turns out, Campbell isn't the only childhood acquaintance of Michael Jackson on the premises. Another man bounds out of the gated door of the house, thick braids coiled neatly into a ponytail behind him. He rushes up to greet me, identifying himself as Keith Jackson, Michael's first cousin, and asks if I'd like to buy a t-shirt for $20. I decline. Keith was only a toddler when the young King of Pop actually lived at the house but he swears he remembers everything that happened in 1965 as though it occurred last Tuesday. For me, it was the music, man, just to sit there and watch them rehearse, he recalls. We had the privilege of being there inside the house while other kids were just trying to peek through the window. So that was a moment in time that I really enjoyed, just watching them when they first started. Right here. I mean, I was like two or three years old, but I still remember. Nearly half a century later, though, Keith Jackson offers something else about his cousin, something having little to do with his well-documented musical prowess. Mike was very smart, man, he says. Outside of being an entertainer, he was definitely a great businessman as well. Michael Jackson's father doesn't do phone interviews, or at least that's what I was told when I first tried to contact him. If I wanted to talk to Joe Jackson... I would have to come to Las Vegas, alone, and meet him at the Orleans Hotel and Casino.
the sprawling faux Cajun complex on the wrong side of Interstate 15. When I arrived in the lobby, it wasn't hard to spot the Jackson family patriarch. He was clad all in black, alligator loafers, slacks, dress shirt, with a lone red feather in his fedora. Bulky rings clung to his fingers like gilded barnacles. He removed his black and gold Prada sunglasses to reveal a pair of squinty eyes set toward the outer edges of his face, giving him the look of a nefarious disco piranha. Then he motioned me to a couch and we sat down. I asked if I could record our conversation. He nodded, but then reached for my device. Let me put this right here like this, he said in a high, hushed voice, looking across the lobby at a middle-aged stranger. I don't want her to be hearing what I'm saying.